0: So trying to figure out who I'm talking to, because I have this, this sermon prepared, because that's, that's what you do. You prepare. But I also have this like feeling on the inside of me that maybe we should like do something else. Uh, that maybe uh, I feel like this group, tell me if I'm wrong, Matt, or tell me if I'm wrong somebody. But this group is more like, you're like the leaders of Kai Alpha, for the yes. most part, right? Am <laughs> okay, I looking at like everybody leads? Right? Everybody got jobs, and, and my job's like jobs outside, but like jobs in Kai Alpha, right? Am I, am I basically correct in that? Because they're unveiling courts and stuff like that. So, I mean, you're here, you know, like, like you're like, madness, what? Like, I'm going to do what I said, I'm going to do. And so I'm going to go a different direction, if that's okay. Rather than sort of preach a sermon, if there's a, yeah, I don't need that verse because we ain't going even use a verse. Uh, in fact, we <laughs> may not even use a verse. We'll see. Uh, ha, we'll get there in a second. I am going to move my notes then, and I'm going to do something. Uh, I'm going to do something different. Is that okay? If it's okay, say yep. 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 If you'd rather hear the sermon, say uh, do what you plan to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where the heck did this go? Okay, here it is. Here it is. All right. I do, I feel in my heart that this is what I'm supposed to do, and I, whatever, I don't do this a lot as far as like, like change things up, those of you that know me a little bit, I don't change things up, it's like we roll with a roll, but, but uh, we're going to do this uh, tonight. I want to talk about uh, the importance of connection, if that's okay, and talk about the significance of that word, and we're going to go some places with it, and it's going to be off the cuff, this is not like, you're just going to roll with it, but, uh this idea of connection is one of those very powerful ideas that's way more spiritual than most of us realize. And so I'm going to be very unspiritual for a little while in order to be very spiritual in a minute. Is that okay? So we're going to walk into this sort of backwards for most people for a sermon or for a whatever type of thing, but I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be okay. I got to that the most important factor of personal growth is not content, it's connection. The most important factor for you growing in anything, you want to grow grow in a sport you're playing. It has less to do with what you know and more to do with who you're with. When I played uh, played basketball, I played up through 10th grade. Uh, I like to eat more than I like to play basketball, so I stopped after 10th grade. But but in in 8th grade, what our coach had us do, and we hated this, our middle school team was really good, really good. And he would have us practice once a week against our varsity team. All right? So I'm at Oakhaven Middle School playing against Oakhaven High School, varsity basketball, and we got destroyed week after week after week after week. After week. But we got better. Because, not because we were learning something new up here, not because we were running this tricky play and nobody ever seen before, or one of those goofy little plays. Have you ever seen, like sometimes in middle school basketball, they'll do goofy stuff. Like have the one kid act like he's got a stomach ache over here, but really over <laughs> here. You know, you do goofy stuff. It wasn't goofy stuff. It was you were playing against people. You were connected to people who were better than you. They were bigger than you. They were stronger than you. They were faster than you. And connection to them actually helped me get better, helped our whole team get better. The same is true if you're studying something. Now, some of you may be the smartest person, like, in your class, in your college, in your degree plan. Like, you just, you it. But more than likely, there's somebody who knows a lot more than you. There's somebody who understands the content better. There's somebody who can communicate the content better. And really, it's not as much you spending more time with your books that really grows you as it is you spending more time with them. You get around them more, and all of a sudden, you start to grow, do you not? The same thing is true spirits. Sometimes we trick ourselves into thinking that what's really going to help us grow spiritually is content, 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 and I'm all for content. In fact, I was thinking while I was walking up here, I, I parked on a, on a little street over here, and I was walking up, and I was, I was thinking about, because Matt said 20 years ago, and it made me feel incredibly old, and I am, I guess, getting old, but, uh, but it had me thinking about, like, if I went back to school and studied something else, if you would have asked me that question when I was... In my undergrad and getting my degrees and stuff like that, I would have told you that after college and you know if I'm going to pursue a master's degree, it was going to be a business degree. I was going to get a business degree, get me an MBA to go with this theology, and now we're doing something. But honestly, now I'd probably, I'd probably go get another degree in theology, like I would get a MDiv because I understand the power of that as I get older. But that being said, all the books in the world, all the reading in the world, it won't grow you near as much of a As getting around somebody who has a strong faith. You you want to grow your ability to pray? Get around somebody who really prays. You you want to grow your passion for worship? Get around somebody who really connects with the presence of God when it's time to worship. You want to to grow your, your, your hunger for God's word? Get around somebody who makes it a priority every day of their life. Midterms, no midterms, fall break, summer break, whatever. They are going to spend time every day in God's word. And it will grow your hunger for God's word. Because connection grows you way more than content does. And we forget this when it comes to people, especially people who are new to faith or far from God. We think that the most important thing that somebody far from God needs is the content that we hold to. And they do, but they can't. They do, but they can't. There's this pastor, uh, I believe he's in California, uh, but his name is John Fortward. And maybe you've heard of him, maybe you saw a book somewhere, maybe you've never heard of his dude. He's brilliant, though. And he has this statement that he made years and years ago, and I love it so much because it is, it is powerful. In what He said, he said it this way. He says, there is a God-sized hole inside of every person, but there is also a people-sized hole inside of us as well. <laughs> and what he's saying here are two very uh, different things. One, I think every person with a faith in Jesus would say like, yeah, absolutely. And the other one, we would try to spiritualize more than what he's saying. Because what he's saying here is inside of every one of us, there's a God-sized hole. There's a hole inside of every one of us that only Jesus can fill. Right? We believe that we are saved by grace through faith in what Jesus has done. Not because of our works. so nobody can boast about it. There's your scripture word. But that, that, that salvation is, is, is essential, and it's something that only God can do. And you can't fill that hole that God has placed on the inside of you with anything else. You can't make enough money to fill it. You can't get enough degrees to fill it. You can't be popular enough to fill it. You, you, nothing can fill that space like God. But what he also says is equally as provocative. He says there's a people-sized hole as well, too. In other words, there's a space on the inside of you, there's a space on the inside of me that it can't be filled with how much money I are made. It can't be filled with how many likes I get on my latest little Instagram post. It can't be filled with, it can't be filled with how much success I accumulate. and well, watch this, this is where it gets tricky. What Ortberg is saying is he says it can't even be filled with God. God created a hole on the inside of you that he chose not to even fill. There's a God-sized hole and a people-sized hole. You need a verse for it? Remember the book of Genesis? When there was just one person roaming around on this planet, as, as Moses recounts for us, just Adam. Adam had a perfect relationship with God. In fact, the scripture tells us that he used to walk with God in the cool of the day. He had these little walks. after Adam was done naming animals for a day. He's like, I'm tired of going go for a walk. Come on, God. And he had this perfect relationship with God. But what did God say about Adam's relational state? He said, and we use this all the time in weddings, little preacher people like me, He said, it's not good for man that he should be alone. But it's not just scripting. It's actually psychology and sociology. There's a guy, some of you, if this is your degree plan, you probably talked about this guy just a little bit. There's a guy by the name of Abraham Maslow. Anybody familiar with Maslow? You've heard of Maslow a little bit? A little bit, yeah, yeah. I see like, don't bit talk bit. about school right now. Let's go. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Maslow, Maslow is famous for this, 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 one, this one thing, and it's this thing called the hierarchy of needs. And this is where... Oh. I will do my best to illustrate it for you. But imagine like a pyramid or a little little triangle, right? That's like sliced up into five levels. And what Maslow is famous for creating is this, what's known as Maslow's hierarchy of need. He either didn't have a better name or was narcissistic and wanted to name that for himself, you know? But like he has this hierarchy, right? And it's got five levels to it. And, And he is famous for presenting this. And what he presented with it is so powerful. But sometimes we miss it spiritually. So, what he shows in this is he shows every need that every human would have, represented in this little thing. And I love a little simple little diagram, like a little circle overlap a circle, I'm all in. You know, like, like I love it. And, and he has this little, this little triangle situation like this, and he has five levels to it. And, and he's basically saying that in all human needs, there's a foundational need, and there's a need above it, and a need above it, and a need above it, and a need above that. And that is basically all of human need. That's what Maslow says. And he breaks it down like this, and I'm going to tell them to you real quick, but I need you to see it even though you can't see it. you can see it with me, if you will, right? He said that the most foundational need that people have are what are known as physiological needs, right? And we would all agree. Food, water, you know? If you, if you can't breathe, if you can't, if you are literally starving, I don't mean like starving like I get, I say I'm starving like seven times a week, like, because my eating patterns are terrible, I will like not eat for a long time, and then eat way too much, and it's just stupid, and I need to change it, but it, I'm not. Um, and, and so I will utter that I am starving, but the truth is I ain't starving, but if you've ever been in a spot where you are literally starving, or literally like going to die of thirst, and there are people in this world again, like, like, Physiological needs are most foundational. And if if you don't have air to breathe, you don't care whether your hair looks good or not. You know, your hair looking good is a need. We'll go get there in a second. But if you can't breathe, my hair don't matter. Above that, Maslow then says, once your physiological needs are handled, the level above that are what he calls safety needs. That's a need for all of us to feel safe. Now, safety can play out a couple different ways. Safety can play out which, what you would think of, like, like, like somebody endangering your life. You get, you get held up, like that kind of, that kind of safety. Somebody got a gun pointed to your head. You're not really worried about your test tomorrow. It's like, get me out of here alive, you know? Because safety. But it's also in the safety that we feel sometimes in the consistency of our life. Like safety in if somebody loses a job. Have you ever experienced that? Or maybe your parents, you know, your mom lost her job. And it's like, oh, goodness. And it feels stressful. And that stress that you feel that now you don't really care about whether your team won or lost. You don't really care about what your boyfriend did. You don't really care about them anymore because there is a safety need now. We are worried about rent due in three weeks. You know, like, like this is endangering my safety. I touched the, so I didn't mean to, uh, but we worry. And now I can't see anything else because I have a safety need. The level of our safety, Maslow called belonging needs. He says these are the needs that we all have to feel connected to somebody, right? The need to belong, the need to feel loved, valued, accepted, to have friends, and he said, what's your physiological needs? You have food, water, and air. You're safe. You're not really like, worried about the immediacy of like, not going up. Then our next need is belonging. And then above belonging, there are what he calls the seams. And these are the needs to sort of find what your purpose and contribution is. And to feel good about yourself. To stand in front of the mirror and feel like I matter and I, I can contribute something to have the seam. And then the highest level, uh, he calls uh, actualization needs. But really these are realization needs. And they're realizing things outside of yourself. And Maslow goes into higher purpose and greater things. He was a secular humanist, so he would not have talked about God. But that is where you would place God on top of this triangle. Now we're done with, with the psychology and sociology and all this. Let's get back to moving this thing forward. The top level of this are these actualization needs. It's this highest level is really when any human being is going to begin to think about God. And here's what happens when you accept Jesus. Here's what happens, especially when you become a leader in a space who's trying to point people to Jesus. You start to think that Jesus can handle everything. Because he can't. You start to think that Jesus can fix everything. Because if I got needs with food, water, and air, he's the God who spoke all things into existence. He can provide my food, water, and air. If I'm safety, he will be my, my shelter. If I'm lonely, he will be a friend that sits closer to brother. You know this is one problem. People that don't know Jesus do not see the world like you do. You take Jesus, you take your faith, you take God, and you make it most foundational. And you think, why would I even worry about tomorrow? Jesus got the bird's handle, God took care of the, the flowers in the field, and so why would because what's foundational to me is my faith in Jesus. The problem is people that don't know God do not see the world They see the world just like Maslow drew it up. And the only way you get to the top of this little triangle The only way you get to this highest level, where maybe someone would begin to think about their need for God, is if all these other needs are met. Why do I say that? Well, because most people that you know, you bump into, that you work with, that you get class with, their physiological needs are met. Food, water, they're good. Most of them, most of us, most of the time, our safety needs are met, Right? We don't live, thankfully, most of the time, afraid. There are moments, but our safety needs, security needs are met. But most people have an issue when it comes to belonging. Most people feel alone. You know, you see the average, like, the average young adult has somewhere in the neighborhood of 575 like friends or acquaintances and followers on social media and has one and a half friends. I don't know what that half friend looks like, but but one and a half like human being talked to, call, come over to my apartment, like let's work this out. Will you go get a coffee with me? Friends. I got almost 600 people that'll like my posts. I got, I got people I could, I've never even met, but we can conversate about the tigers. We can conversate about class. We can conversate about something that we read or a story or I like this or I disagree with that. We can have talks, but one and a half human beings that they feel like are their friend. Could it be, that, and this is where it'll bother you a little bit, that connection, relation, is more basic than Christ? Could it be that people who don't know God, that the gap that they're trying to cross for them is impossible? Because they can't wrap their mind around a God they can't see because they have a need for a friend right in front of them. You're telling me about a God that loves me. How about a human being that loves me? How about a human being that wants to have lunch with me? How about a human being that wants to spend time with me on a Friday night so that way I don't have to spend Friday night in my dorm room by myself again? That connection is more basic than Christ. And if that trips you out a little bit because it doesn't sound very spiritual or, or Jesus-y, can I actually tell you what they said about Jesus? I do have scripture verses. They just come like. Right. Luke 15, this is what it says. It says that tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associated with such despicable people, even eating with them. And in Matthew, he says it this way in his gospel, Matthew eleven nineteen. he says, this is Jesus talking. This is part part. This is somebody talking about Jesus. This is like red letter stuff. Jesus talking. It says, I, the son of man, feast and drink. And you say he is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of the worst sort of sinners. Look at this. Wisdom. Is shown to be right by what results from. I love that last. By what results from it. From what? Connecting with people. Jesus understood that the only way that people who did not have faith in him were going to be able to see their need for faith in him was if he could actually fill a need that quite honestly was the need that they saw. You know, we all have needs. The problem is, for some of us, the need that we're fixated on is not the need that people are trying to provide for us, and that's where frustration and disconnect happens. Does it not? And I think sometimes even as leaders, as people who are trying to show other students on our campus, trying to show friends, friends that, we, that we're thinking of, people that we know, people that we see, like, oh, they need to come and come out, they need to be a part of this. I need to show them Jesus. Like, we want to give them some content. We want to give them some information. We want to show them you need Jesus, and he'll be foundational in your little pyramid. I heard about it. it would be great. The only problem is they don't see the world that way, and they never will until this need that they have relationally gets met. Jesus saw it that way. Can I say it another way? I believe that people need to belong before they believe. Now that may be different for you because there are some church structures, there are some religious institutions that don't play the game that way. They tell you as soon as you believe, like we believe, then we might allow you to belong to this space. Then we might allow you to be a part of our group. Then we may allow you to be a member. Then we may allow you certain privileges or whatever. We may even just be nice to you. We may memorize your name and not call you pal and buddy anymore. You know, like, like then we will let you belong. But people that don't know Jesus, many of them just need to belong. Isn't he a friend? And some of them, they literally can't see, don't see, won't see their need for God until that need that is more basic, Yes, ma'am. Can I give you some stats on that? i got some stats on the team. Uh, There's a guy by the name of George Barnett, and uh, you may be unfamiliar with his work, but he is, uh, he doesn't run it anymore, but he has a research firm that they do a lot of stats connected to faith and connected to uh, how people are perceiving faith at the moment. And he found this. He found that 39% of people in America do not feel that they have a good friend that is not in their immediate family. 39% four out of ten. That means that for us, even in this room, that's, I don't know, five of us, six of us, probably feel like, all right, if if it can't be like mom or dad, my brother, my sister, or maybe somebody else, like if I I can't choose them, four or five out of ten, I ain't got no real friends. My phone will never ring except for Mama calling me again, and I act like I'm frustrated, but really I'm just glad that my phone rang. If that's what's true. He says that He found that 68% of people, that's a lot, two thirds. 68% of people indicated that how much people cared for them, watch this, was the key factor in determining whether or not they would return into a church setting. So people that may come to a church or come to a chiophony or come to a small group or go with you on retreat, or whatever it might look like. Two-thirds more than two-thirds. The deciding factor was not, how amazing was it? The deciding factor was not, did you that? That worship, woo, that worship. Like, it wasn't <laughs> that. That's all great, it matters, and it's good. You know what the key factor was? Is there somebody that cared about me? And sometimes we can get tripped up and what am I going to say to them and what if they ask me questions I don't know the answers to and I ain't even read the whole Bible. In fact, most of the Bible I've read, Matt read for me, you know, like whatever, you know, like, like we get tripped up in these things when the reality is that what's keeping many people from even being in a position where their heart might be open to what Jesus wants to do in it is the fact they have a relational need that we have the opportunity I'll say it this way, give you a couple more things, and then we'll wrap up. But connecting to people connects people to God. Like you being somebody's friend, like for real, spending time with them, caring for them, looking them in the eye, being willing to, being willing to inconvenience yourself because it conveniences them, actually connects people to God. And sometimes we don't feel like this very spiritual word It's incredible, Sometimes being willing to sit down with somebody and just talk with them because they want to talk. You don't even really know them, and you know they don't know God, or y'all don't believe the same or think the same or vote or the same or whatever. But you just sit there and give them time. It actually enables them to connect to God. Because not everybody will read a Bible, but everybody will read you. And you become the Bible that people see. You become the Bible that gets presented to them. And oh, there are human beings who say they follow this Jesus who take interest in me. Ain't nobody take interest in me. But if you're going to take interest in me because you say there's a God who takes interest in me, then maybe I can believe that there's a God who takes interest in me because you took interest in me. It's work. It. And you know what's incredible for you as students? What's incredible even for this season is there's an incredible harvest available. I mean, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of students on this campus every single day. And if we just let the stats bear it out, most of them don't know God. Most of them are lonely, And most of them, what could be preventing them from seeing the God that loves them, the God who gave his life for them, the, the God who spoke this world into existence, the God that has a hope and a future and plans for their life, could be you being their friend. You know, Jesus said it this way in John 4.35, and it's a verse a lot of people like so much, and this is where I'm going to pray for us and wrap up. But he says, don't say four more months and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ready. A harvest. Now, if you've been to church a couple times, you might have heard that verse. People love that verse, right? Everybody grow up in the city? I grew up in the city. Did anybody not grew up in the city? Anybody grew up in it? Oh, so y'all grew up like out like in the country or like somewhere else? Maybe. We're just another city. All right. You know, I hear that and like even when I was a kid or even hearing people talk about harvest, it's like, "Whoa, let's go. Let's go. going to be great. I'll so many people and God's going to. But you know what I've learned by hanging around some people in this country? Harvest is work. <laughs> harvest is work. Them farming people, they're excited because harvest means that all the work they've done up to them produced something. But harvest is not like kick your feet back, get in your lawn chair, and sip you a little iced coffee on a porch. Harvest is work. Harvest is work. Harvest is work. There's opportunity everywhere, but it takes work. There are people who are hungry for the God that you know. But it takes work. It takes work. It takes work to be somebody's friend. It takes work to invest and care for somebody. It takes work sometimes to be the first friend somebody's had that was not in their immediate family. It takes work. But it's worth it. To see somebody realize that every hole in their heart, every need that they see on them can be filled by the God who spoke this world into existence. They loves them us so much that he sent his son who gave his life so that you and I could have life in him man but it's work and I just believe that you know you come into fall break it's like a little but then you hit another stretch run and it's very easy to become familiar with what's in front of you it's very easy to think it is what it is I do what I do I got this on Mondays, I got these classes, I got Kyalpha, I got the, and just be in your little routine. And forget the connection for most of the people you interact with on this campus is more basic than Christ. And that if you might connect to them, you might be the link that helps them connect to God. Can I pray for you? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these students, these leaders who uh, would be here on a, on a Thursday night, even when there's all kind of other stuff uh, to do. And God, I, I, I thank you for these moments that we've gotten to spend together. And I just pray that, that God, you would put a burden inside of every one of their hearts, for their friends, for acquaintances, for people that they see and know that they know are far from you. And God, you would give them the, the strength and the courage and the willingness to do the work to see those friends find you. Because this campus is full of people who may look like they have it together, but they're lonely. Full of people who are pursuing their academic dreams, but at the same time, relationally, they feel like they're alone in this world. And you want them to know how much you love them. And I believe that the students sitting in this room right now are gonna be instrumental in introducing your love to dozens and dozens and, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of students on this campus in this season, Because the harvest is plentiful. And you've called them to do it. And they're willing to roll up their sleeves and do the work and see students transformed in you. God, I love you. I thank you for tonight. Thank you for Matt. Thank you for Chi Alpha. The precious thing we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you,